0: Hello, Matt's just got a stabbing pain down his arm. I hope it's not a heart attack. Hang on, we're not doing a sound check. I think it's good. Okay. It looks good. Carry on. Yeah. Is your hand okay? <laughs> Cramp
1: in my hand, believe it or not.
0: Oh, you're random. I was just Age thinking. Age is a terrible thing. I was just thinking, I have no idea how to start this. And <laughs> we had quite a dramatic start. It's like, I thought I was going to have to do CPR. Phew. Phew, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, here we are. We are, Matt. You did a massive chunk of Malachi on Sunday. Fair play, do you?
1: Yeah, it was pretty big. Um, we were chatting earlier when we were saying, with one of those things with hindsight, maybe you'd have chunked it up into two sermons. But yeah, yeah. it was uh, it was good stuff, but a lot
0: of stuff there. I was, list- I was listening back on Spotify because we were on holiday at the weekend, and I thought, Wow, I must be listening to this on double speed because Matt was be <laughs> talking really quickly. But no, you just—I
1: think I became very aware of how much I had to get into to the time I was trying, I was aiming for. So yes, I, I did talk a little bit quickly on it, Sunday. I think
0: it was very impressive. Um, that's one way to keep it under thirty minutes. <laughs> Twenty-nine minutes fifty-seven. At wow, triple speed. <laughs> there you go. Did it so um, the super fast sermon? I said that quite fast as well. The super fast sermon was about true worship so you gave a definition of worship could mm. you remind us what that was and maybe expand on it if there's anything in particular about was lacking
1: yeah uh to to recap i think i said that a basic definition of worship is that we give god his due and so the praise that's due him uh, for who he is and for all he's done um so so worship isn't only praise for what god has done for us as a redeemer and savior but it's praise for who he is the, the magnificent creator and king so that was basically how i defined it i suppose in reflection i did think i'd want to add the idea of um, adoration into that definition i know i talked about love on sunday but that worship is also about not just giving god his due for how great he is and praising him but but adoring him as well mm. because acknowledging how great god is is one thing but being overwhelmed by who he is and giving him the adoration of our hearts goes beyond that and i think that's also part of true worship
0: that's where it's quite the psalms are really helpful isn't it because there's a lot of just adoring god for who he is you know before you even think about redemption which is just helpful because like these are just the reasons you should praise god even if you know, he hadn't read you, Yeah, which is quite helpful,
1: isn't it? Mike Reeves is really good on that. I mentioned his book, "Rejoice and Tremble," which is about the fear of the Lord. But obviously, overlaps. it's quite a wee book, isn't it? Well, there's there's two of them. I only realised after Sunday. There's the one I read, which is um, yeah, not a big book. Yeah. But then there's a slim down version of it, which is what does it mean to fear the Lord? So I would imagine that'd be fantastic too. But it's about half the length.
0: I so I tried to buy one of my mates yeah. the big thick one and got the wee one. <laughs> So whenever I gave it you to him, calm. I was like really disappointed. You didn't
1: pay the same amount, did you? you it wasn't. Out, it
0: wasn't what I expected it to be for the amount <laughs> that I paid. Let's just put it that way.
1: But he he's good on this that the the idea of uh, that we that the fear of the Lord, which overlaps with worship, of course, yeah. is
0: fearing God as Creator. Yeah.
1: And then, but then there's fearing Him as Father and Redeemer as well. So he talks about the both, and he's he's very helpful on that.
0: Yeah, I remember Allard said it in one of his sermons about looking at the sea or the waves in aberystwyth like Mm. you know you fear them because they're yeah but it's also beautiful to behold so i think that was helpful should have thought of that one before sunday go on (laughs) alad um so back to the questions you mentioned a church that doesn't fear god you know god would actually rather that they close their doors Mm. which does just seem a bit mental like surely god would want people in the doors of church regardless Mm -hmm. so that's just one thought but that's slightly mental. But could you give us some characteristics of a church like that? And maybe why would God really rather
1: yeah. it close? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty blunt statement to make um for me on Sunday. But I, I think... It's I in think, the passage. Like. Exactly. I think God has been quite blunt through Malachi. Yeah. Um, I think from that passage and thinking about also, for example, the letters to the churches of revelation, which I mentioned in passing, I think we can say that the characteristics of a church, this is the first part of your question, Yeah. characteristics of a church that doesn't fear God, what would that include? Well, it would be things like, I think, you know, a corporate life together that doesn't involve the the living sacrifice of lives lived for God's praise. So if you're looking at a church that doesn't, where people aren't really serving each other or wanting to serve the community, they're not sharing the gospel, they're making life decisions without having gospel priorities, that's probably the sign of a church that um, a bunch of people who by and large aren't fearing the lord they're mm. not they're not listening to what his word says um i think if, it, if it's a body of people who don't really put themselves under the authority of god's word by by listening to it regularly by teaching yeah. it by delighting in god's word and wanting to live it out uh, if you're looking at a bunch of people who rarely think about the greatness of god but they're all always more earthbound and looking at you know the things of today and tomorrow and practical things and they, they're not sort of thinking about the bigness of god yeah Yeah, because but for god's grace it'd be so easy to become a church like that wouldn't it um so i think those are some of the characteristics probably of a church that's starting to show red flags of not fearing the lord as to as to whether the second part of your question god would really rather close a church like that I there's guess obvi- there's obviously grace, but exactly. Which, for example, you've seen the letters to the churches. I mean, yeah. some of them are in a pretty ropey state and God is still, Yeah, he's making them promises. He's making sort of loving threats, but it, he's, he's being patient <laughs> a, with that. That is a great phrase. <laughs> um, but ultimately he's making some pretty stern uh, predictions there, isn't he? That if they don't repent, he's going to take away the lampstand. So would God rather, close, well, he doesn't, His heart's desire, obviously, isn't that the church will close down. But I I guess part of the answer is that if a church increasingly lacks these things uh, that are marks of the fear of the Lord, it can get to the point it's not actually a church in any Mm -hmm. meaningful sense. There might be one or two believers there as part of the crowd. But if it gets to the point it's really not actually a church, then yes, I think God uh, does say he would rather the doors were shut. Jesus does tell some of the Revelation churches that he will take away their lampstand, as I say. Um, and his presence will not be there anymore if they don't change change their hearts and minds, seems to be the bottom line. I don't think, by the way, this necessarily looks like the door's been closed. The, the place might be full. Yeah. But he can take away his lampstand, which is taking away his presence. The, the church is closed in the sense that the presence of God has departed, and that's sobering stuff.
0: Yeah, there's that interest, in you can tell me if i got this wrong, there's that interest me bit, Exodus where God says you know the people of it like Moses the people of Israel will go on to the promised land but God won't be with them and Moses says we don't want to go unless you're coming with us which is interesting because they would still get the land they still get all those Uh things but actually Mm. God wouldn't be with them which is an interesting
1: thought yeah sobering again isn't it I I suppose another angle you look at it from more theological angle what is the church the church by definition is the gathering of people who belong to the Lord and God is present in the church. He's always present in a true church. Yeah. But when a bunch of people get into the point where they don't show all the characteristics of a church, yeah. then by definition, God isn't present in their midst. And I think
0: that's, that's the way we need to think yeah. of it. You talked about love and threats there, you know,
1: <laughs> unscripted if,
0: phrase that <laughs> if if I was a teenager, uh, maybe I'm still like it now, but you know, whenever you read in the Bible, I will smear your, I will smear in your faces, the dung from your festival sacrifices. I would definitely be saying that to my brother or sister. Be like, <laughs> it's in the Bible. I can say it, but it's like, yeah, I suppose I heard at the weekend, a story about a minister who was asked to pray at a meal and he said, I'm off the clock. Wow. Whenever he left yeah. the church building and locked the doors mm. and walked past someone sitting outside it he was off the clock so he didn't want to talk to them i'm like whenever i read that sort of rebuke i'm like yeah you need that rebuke if you view your life as when i'm in church yeah i'm worshiping i'm doing the job outside of it i'm not interested like that's awful isn't it it's
1: like the person said to me before we went into malachi god's really cross with judah here And and he is yeah but What I love about the prophecy of Malachi is the first thing God says is I have loved loved you. you. That's where he starts. But if he really loves his people, loves us, his people as a good parent, he's going to say things that are hard sometimes when he really needs to say them. Yeah. And he certainly does here, doesn't he? Yeah. There's not politically correct language.
0: Yeah. So circling background, um, how would a church, you know, how would a church like that pray, you know, a church that doesn't Mm. fear the Lord, yeah. what would characterize their prayers and then i suppose by contrast how would a god-fearing church pray yeah i um
1: i think a church that doesn't fear the lord or is starting not to fear the lord if it truly prays at all will probably be focused just on shopping list type prayers you know again it's the earthly level
0: stuff i need this this isn't this, this
1: yeah i mean i love the fact that we can i always stress this in life group we can bring the little things to God. He loves to hear his children pray. Yeah, But when it's just that stuff, I think that's a, a red flag rather than praying big prayers for God's glory. And then in contrast, you know, if a church that does fear the Lord, whilst it will be praying for the needs of believers, will be fixated on worshipping God in everything and getting glory for God, the great King. They will mm. be praying everything ultimately for the glory, the praise, the fame of God's name. Mm. I, I reckon the prayers of a a God-fearing church will also be full of talk to God about how wonderful God is. They'll be full of adoration. Uh, they'll not just be asking for things.
0: Yeah, we saw it in lots of the prayers of Paul. But yeah, he's adoring, he's asking, and then as soon as he asks, he's like, "But you've already given me so much. Like, how can I thank you Yeah, yeah. which is pretty well it's just a good framework to pray, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So how how do we grow? in fear of the lord because often we sort of think about fear like oh you know what my fear of heights or my fear of mm. whatever it is is decreasing and that's a good thing why would we want or how do we increase in the fear of the lord why would that be a good thing to do well
1: very good question very big question uh, my my lazy way of answering that would be to refer people to my grievous book that we've already mentioned yeah um you know, either rejoice and tremble or the shorter one, what does it mean to fear God?
0: The con version. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But I think the aspect of this, um, about fearing the Lord that has sunk in more for me lately is how important it is to think big thoughts about God in God's presence. So to fuel my godly loving fear of him to, to dwell on what he says in his word about himself and to praise him for that. So, Everybody's going to be different. How that works for me, for example, is that yesterday um, I spent part of the morning reading a book I've just got hold of, uh, None Greater by Matthew Barrett, which is about the attributes of God. And what I was trying to do was not just read the book and enjoy the book, but to think over what the Bible says about some of the attributes of God. And then as I'm doing that, talk to God about those attributes, Mm. thanking him adoring him for how great and good he is and sometimes i've got to really like stir my heart to do that it doesn't come naturally i've got to kind of make myself do it but i find that really helps me to think about starting to grow in or hopefully continuing to grow in the fear of the lord so i don't think we can really grow much in the fear of the lord without hearing and responding to god's word and finding out how he's revealed himself and there are loads of good books for example that can help us with that these days or podcasts or whatever i Books-wise, another book I read several years ago now but I thought was wonderful was Behold Your God by Donald MacLeod. Mm. Uh, I love Donald MacLeod. He's one of my favourite writers, but it really kind of stirred me to think about how great God is. And the best of those sort of books aren't too philosophical. What they do is they basically just make you sit under the sound of God's word and listen to what God has revealed about himself, and they, they kind of wander along with you. So that's just one area where I think... That can help us to grow in the fear of the lord by doing those sorts of things
0: yeah nice there's lots of it's usually what's good about all these books is that they point you back to the bible they're not yeah. conjuring up mm. images of god's greatness from their own imagination yeah. um you mentioned about you know a life as a living sacrifice sacrifice of praise i feel like we're gonna keep coming back to this Romans 12 idea of mm. all things being worshiped but uh, what's your two cents on that what does a life as a living sacrifice look like
1: uh, lots of big questions today, Dave. That's, yeah. a, that's a big one. Um, well, I could, again, if I was being lazy, I could just refer you back to Tom Hawkins' Sermon on Romans 12, which I'm sure nice, you can find by searching on the website, Yeah, because that was excellent, um, and that was a while back now. But again, I guess I'd better say something in answer. <laughs> so sure. I think it looks like two of the words that sprung to mind on this question when you gave me a heads up on it, I think it looks like costliness and joy. So being a living sacrifice, costliness and joy. So it's not a life of duty or drudgery, though it is hard to be a living sacrifice. It's a living a life of costly devotion to God that will bring suffering to some degree, but also at the same time is increasing my joy. So, for example, um, an employee who's determined to unashamedly do work in God's way out of love for Jesus Even when doing that will cause some friction with the world's way of doing things, potentially even make work harder or maybe even curtail career options. But they're willing to do that because they follow Christ. That, to me, looks and sounds and smells like a living sacrifice. That's costly and sacrificial for sure, but it's done with the Spirit's help out of gratitude and love towards Jesus. It says in Romans 12, in view of God's mercies. You look at what God has done for you and Christ has done for you, and you just want
0: to live in response. Yeah, that's quite an uncomfortable idea, though. Like, even the word sacrifice is not... It's a hard word, isn't it? Which Mm. sort of lends into another thing that you mentioned on Sunday about how... That's quite an uncomfortable thing, and that's an uncomfortable edge Mm. of God's word that comes to us. So, how might we want to... Yeah. How might we want to avoid doing that in day-to-day life? Like, avoid facing the uncomfortableness of God's word? So, yeah. So, how
1: might we be... Tempted to kind of yeah, yeah. avoid what God's word saying. Well, uh, get you can have a huge list here, I suppose, but two main areas spring to mind. One is that when I try and ignore the claims of God's word upon me to be holy as God is holy. Yeah. So it's just it's it's wonderful, but hard to be holy in a fallen world. And a, a God's word says so much about being holy. If yeah. You look at Paul's letters, for example. The first part is generally about all that God has done and the wonder of our salvation by grace alone. And then the next part is, right, if that's you, yeah, this is how you you live now, a holy life. And we can be very good. I can be very good at sidestepping that. So that's one way that I think we can be tempted to avoid the uncomfortable edges of God's word. And then another way that I think is very topical and kind of related is when we try to sidestep what the word of God says when it brings us into conflict with our culture. So yeah. one Area that's in the forefront of my mind at the moment because some of the reading I've been doing. Our culture, for example, says that we as human beings are defined by our sexuality, we find our deepest meaning in our sexuality, and that we can shape our sexual identity ourselves. So that's very much uh, how our culture thinks right now, I I think. In contrast, the Word of God shows us that we are defined by who God says we are. Uh, We are creatures made in God's image to glorify Him in so many ways, our sexuality being just one of them yeah and our sexuality itself by the way being defined by god not by us so when we think that way we are very much going against the flow of the culture so it's an area where we're tempted to soft pedal what the word of god says yeah
0: i think um this is more me just pre yeah preparing for this coming sunday Mm. but the way we can avoid the uncomfortable edges of the double-edged sword of god's word is by picking and choosing what we preach on and not not going through passages on divorce yeah giving money etc like actually if we wanted to be easy yeah slash i might even say unfaithful we'd say actually this week's on divorce don't fancy that why don't we do an excursus into some nice psalm about Mm -hmm. how god loves us like
1: I, hugely, people might get me fed up with with us saying it by now certainly me saying it because i've been saying it for years but that's why i think churches have to do in their preaching and in the way they teach the bible in every layer of church life you've got to be considering the whole council of god yeah. doing expository preaching because uh, yeah, we wouldn't have, let's face it we might pick a few verses out of malachi to do would but we wouldn't have preached through Malachi otherwise, would we? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> no. So, yeah, a I, I, really good example, I think, Dave, of how that's another way we can avoid the edges of God's word by just sticking to certain bits.
0: I feel like I feel like any book, you know, we do, there's always a point where we're like, why are we doing this book? <laughs> and it's just, it's just one of those funny things. Like, you're never going to find a book in the Bible where are like, this completely agrees with yeah, everything yeah, exactly. I want it to say. Yeah, so it's just funny. Um, so, maybe that's just i just uh, the
1: book of ruth all the time i think it was just it was just yeah.
0: down to me sometimes yeah yeah that's true <laughs> so even that's got a few it's yeah, got bleak, a bleak start um i sure you said there for me you know areas where serving the lord feels like a bit of a burden whenever you're like doing something really well just hard mm. to be honest um are there areas for you in which serving the lord feels like a bit like a burden
1: i hate it when dave asks me these questions on a podcast because like the temptation to polish up an answer here and not be too honest oh is, I, I can i can do
0: mine first um <laughs> i i can't wait to get to heaven because you don't have to do evangelism anymore yeah like yeah. that feels like i know it should be a joyful delight etc but it feels like a burden yeah so th- there's mine i'm just like oh. yeah i
1: think it's good Good one. Good example. We were talking about as elders last night, weren't we, yeah. thinking about direction of the church and vision and how this is something we need to be hotter on than we are as a church and yeah. as individuals. And it's it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's why I'm so grateful to God for his patience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was patient with Israel. He was patient with the church in Revelation. And he's patient with me. But I, I still need to hear his loving warnings as much as they did. So um yeah, for me, probably one major area is the same as a lot of people in church actually gathered worship on Sundays. Yeah. And, and generally I love Sundays and the last few Sundays have been a real joy for me being back together and singing together properly. But honestly, not every Sunday feels like that. And I'm yeah. guessing most of the people listening right now are probably nodding coming along to church for all of us can, can become a chore if we don't tune our hearts to what we're doing, getting ready, getting the kids ready. If you've got kids getting them out of the house, needing to get along early to get ready to serve in your particular ministry area. Yeah, um, Hurts, from the week just gone and concerns about the week ahead on our minds. And so Sunday can just be a real pressure point, even though they're such a wonderful part of the week for the church. And it's it's so easy, humanly speaking, to get to the point that we're saying like Judah, what a burden, about a, what a burden which is a terrible thing to say, but yeah. sometimes we get there, don't we? Pastors as well. And, and yet if I just take a little time to think about what Jesus did to make me acceptable to God, what he's done to make me into a true worshipper rather than a stranger. If only I ask for the Holy Spirit's help on a Saturday evening and on a Sunday morning, he can enable me to come with a truly worshipful heart, even in my struggles and my slogs. And he reminds me that I come to worship God in the merits of Jesus and the supernatural help of the Holy Spirit. But honestly, yes, that's that's an area where there's temptation, I think, in my life to think, oh, this is a burden, even just sometimes that that's a temptation area.
0: Isn't it amazing? though that then in Matthew eleven. Jesus then says, "You know, if you are weary and burdened, come to me. I'll give you rest, yeah. because my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Mm. You're just like that is amazing. If you do feel like that, like church is a burden, yeah, Je- you know. come back to Jesus. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully, church helps you come back to Jesus. But yeah. it's just something that was important think about. point.
1: There was it? because I think depending on your personality, you can find yourself there. And so I think right now, I just need to dig deep here. Yeah, dig deep. Just just tough it out and
0: yes there is toil and effort in the christian life but the answer is back to jesus back yeah to him which the, that was sure going to be the next question like what would you say to someone mm. if they realized they've been given god second best slash it was feeling like a burden yeah but we're sure of covered that like come to jesus and say sorry and ask for help
1: yeah and but i think the first part of that is also you, you don't try and sidestep the fact that god's convicting you if you're yeah. your loving father he will convict you of stuff sometimes so sometimes we can slip into a in evangelical church as a way of thinking that says, if I'm feeling bad about this, I shouldn't be. yeah And so that's <laughs> a bad thing. No, no, it can be a good thing. It's God speaking to you and convicting you and putting his finger on a point in your life because he loves you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's funny how we're so wired that for comfort that then any discomfort or pain, we're like, this can't be a good thing. When actually, yeah, often yeah. lots of areas of life no yeah, no pain, no gain. Mm-hmm. Um Dave Law <laughs> strap line. Dave Lawther, PT. Um so this is the last question. Um this is where it's always a wee bit like you have to do a bit of legwork, don't you? Whenever mm. in the old testament they're priests, yeah. And now Christians are all priests, mm. but Jesus is also a priest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so which is it? Are we as Christians the fulfilment of the idea of the old testament priest mm. or is jesus the fulfillment of it why yeah. you know why can't i just be a christian rather than a priest like who cares <laughs>
1: it's a huge subject and a brilliant one but i i uh thankfully i found a quote that i thought was really helpful because i was starting to answer this question and it would have been about another 10 minutes i think really? if it had just been down <laughs> to me answering it but i on the gospel coalition website article by jv fesco another one of my the writers i really like actually
0: fesco and okay. he
1: fesco yeah a well, great surname yeah. um not sure where that's from. He uh, so I'll, I'll I'll just quote because I think he kind of answers pretty much answers that two-part question: How are we priests? Why does it matter if we're priests? And he says, "Quote: The doctrine of the priesthood of all believers states that all believers in Christ share in His priestly status. Therefore, there is no special class of people who mediate the knowledge, presence, and forgiveness of Christ to the rest of believers." And all believers have the right and authority to read, interpret, and apply the teachings of Scripture, end quote. So I think that's a really nice quote. You might want to rewind the podcast and play it to yourselves again. But we don't don't need a pope, basically. That's the gist. So, yeah, we need no earthly person between us and God. We, as individual believers, can come straight into the presence of God through the merits of Jesus, our great high priest we have access all because of the priesthood of Jesus. So it's, so it's both. Yeah. Surprise, surprise, both. Ends. Shock, Yeah. The old Testament priesthood is fulfilled in all believers and ultimately in Jesus. Or to state it another way, it's
0: fulfilled in all believers because of Jesus. Very nice. That was I me. Mean, I think you've summarized that long paragraph really well into a nice little tweet. <laughs> nice. JV Fesco helped greatly. Yeah. Um. That is, that is the end. Um I don't know how to finish. Um <laughs> so uh well yes, so another so you're
1: preaching this Sunday on the next bit of Malachi, yeah. Malachi podcast. Just to say I think what I'd add is you did say the other day, I think on WhatsApp, please don't forget if you've got questions, send them in. Yeah. We're just gonna crack on and be doing these podcasts. Yeah. With the questions we think are great. But if you've got questions, please do fire them away.
0: Yeah. And like they're on the stats, there's like forty people listening. So I mean, you're listening, so please ask a question. Yeah. we won't do- what,
1: what are the other 60 of you doing as well? Yeah, well. <laughs> <I don't laughs> well we're not listening to this to hear that question. Yeah, so exactly. Academic. Yeah, okay.
0: We're preaching to the choir. Um, <laughs> no, that's
1: great to hear, actually. But we, would, yeah, we do value the questions, don't we?
0: Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, why wouldn't we? <laughs> it would just be nice to know that people are listening, <laughs> <laughs> aside from the start. Yeah. Um, okay great i've absolutely butchered this and then, so see you all someday. see you next week yeah, see you sunday